Welcome to Vacation Station, hosted by Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazines.com. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Parks and Travel Show. Today we welcome back Glenn Burroughs. Glenn is a family history expert. He's a tour guide and owner of Norfolk Tours in England. And he's back on the show today. He comes on every fourth Saturday to talk about exploring the great outdoors of England. He's got a great article about it up on nationalparktraveling.com. You can go right to the homepage and see it there. But welcome back, Glenn, and happy birthday. Oh, thank you. you. I'm, I'm, I'm older I don't feel any. I was like we were saying just before. I, I still feel fourteen, really. But there you go. Well, talking about the great outdoors and nature, isn't that some of your best memories? Is scrambling around in the woods in England and birds and wow. eating berries and crab apples and when I when I was little, we used to go to the harvest field and we used to go exploring in pits and going fishing and climbing through hedgerows and yeah, it was just. A fantastic way of life to live in the countryside. We're so and, lucky. You know, I know we're going to play a birthday song for you on our Spotify show, the the new Big Daily Blend. But now I feel like we're going to have to play Stairway to Heaven because if there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed. It's just Glenn saying happy birthday. I'm here. That's I'm here. all it is. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, but you know, there's something there's something about that song that does make me feel like walking in the woods of England, Stairway to Heaven. Not that you're going to heaven yet. You you've got time here. I'm sorry. I hope so. It's not you're, you're way. We're holding you back here for a long time because you've got a lot of episodes to do. But the nature part, what I think is so interesting about England, of course, here in America, we have such vast diversity from the southwest to the mountains. And when you were in Canada, you experienced bears and waterfalls and oh, yeah. all of that. Amazing. But England itself, you know, for such a small country, right? You're an island and you've got Scotland and Wales and Ireland and all of that near you, the Isle of Man, Isle of Wight, the Channel Islands. There is this diversity to me that is absolutely incredible in such a small country. Mm. The yeah. coastline, now I want to start there. The coast is different everywhere you go. I remember getting those razor clam shells yeah. and pebbles, and some beaches don't have pebbles, and yeah. and some are really rocky and dramatic, right? So the, yeah. the beach would be something to talk about that people may forget about. about England. Yeah. I mean, it, even in a little short area like around Norfolk, we'll, we'll just use Norfolk as an example. Sure. If you look at Norfolk on the map, it's sort of like a – a little tiny football and if you look at the the top left hand corner is where king's lynn is and sandringham the queen's house or the king's house um and then we go all the way round to sort of great yarmouth and lowestoft in suffolk and even in that little short area we've got things we've got really beautiful sort of salt marshes where there's loads and loads of wildlife and birds the birds in that area is amazing and then you've got the cliffs at Hunstanton. So you've got these really massive cliffs that uh, are stripy. And if you if you put in a, a search for Hunstanton cliffs, you will actually see that they're red and white stripes because they've got a whole layer of chalk and then a whole layer of rock. And that's red and white, a whole stripe. Um, and then there's them great big rocks from the cliffs or on the beach. 
And then you go a little bit further around and then you get some more sandy beaches. So you get beautiful golden sand. A little bit further around still, you then go back onto the old um, salt marshes. A little bit further around, you get, again, you get these lovely white sandy beaches. Then a little bit further around, you find all the flint pebbles. So these massive pebble beaches. So the pebbles are all sort of that size and they are amazing. Then you've got shingle beaches and the sound of the sea washing in and out on shingle is totally amazing. I mean, it's just, you know, sort of thing that my head goes mad over is is silly little things like the sea washing in and out on a shingle beach. It's just out of this world. And then you come further round again to Chroma and you've again, you've got stones and beach and then around to Great Yarmouth where you've again got this beautiful golden sands. And that's all within a very, very short distance. And then then if you go across the other side of the country to Cornwall, you've got these massive rocky outcrops which are the sort of thing that you saw on Poldark if you saw Poldark on the television you know these beautiful rocky rocky coastlines and then you've got the white cliffs of Dover which are chalk the same as they are at Hunstone. Are we gonna have to play that now too on our show? We're gonna have to play that? Why not? Why not? (laughs) Okay (laughs) so but this is what I was saying this diversity and you did a wonderful itinerary in your article again everyone it's up on National Park traveling.com about the great outdoors of England. So you kind of do an outline of an example of what people can experience. But I kind of want to go by, you know, what the terrain is when you're talking about that. I mean, you've got the cliffs. I remember puffins in the Channel Islands. Do you get puffin birds um, in your area? I don't know if you do. Not in, not in Norfolk. I think they get okay. puffins up in the north, um, okay. up off um, Northumberland. I think they get puffins hmm. up there. But we don't we don't get puffins in Norfolk. Sadly. Now, I know a lot of people will travel to different countries to look for their life bird. Um, they yeah. keep a list like on eBird or, uh, you know, yeah. all these different websites, right? I belong to iNaturalist. I like to document flowers and moths and, you know, all kinds of weird things. And it's cool because it's part of citizen science. So it's yeah. like you're helping the biologists go, oh, they saw this at this time. Yeah. This helps, right? Is it an invasive species, et cetera? But a lot of people, birding is one of the top hobbies in the world. Indeed. And they'll come over to England for certain things. So will you help, like, maybe it's a couple, maybe it's six to eight people, maybe it's a group mm-hmm. of birding enthusiasts going, let's go to England to see, maybe we're going to go see the swans, obviously, right? Oh, but beautiful. it's going to be, you've got you've got barn owls, you've got all these amazing kingfishers. Like, you have yes. Malachi kingfishers that, you know, I'm used to seeing an Africa and I haven't seen one since I was in Africa. So that's weird. Like you think we, maybe we do have them here. I just don't know. And I haven't seen one yet, but mm. um, we have the belted ones, these big black and white and gray ones, um, which are right. really cool. They're cool. Um, but I think there's this interesting thing, especially now wildlife is changing as they migrate. Birds are going to places Yes. That we didn't know. Um, our Friday show, uh, the day before you were talking to uh, the top biologist and CEO of the Texas Aquarium Association, where they're doing a wildlife rescue center in Corpus Christi, Texas. And at this point, he's saying manatees from Florida are moving to Texas because of what's happening to habitat destruction, not getting food. Yeah. 
climate change and temperatures changing. So yeah. like I know in England, you have wineries that are happening that didn't happen before. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you're going to get different bird species, like birders are going to maybe come for different species they didn't come for before. Yeah, we, al we already are, actually. We're getting a lot of different birds that haven't visited here before. Um, there was one on the, I don't, I'm not a bird fanatic, so I don't remember what it was, but I, I did hear on the news the other week that there were new birds visiting that haven't visited before. But England is on the main flight path of a lot of migratory birds from the, the north of Europe right to the south of Europe. So especially East Anglia, we get a lot of migratory birds coming through. And we, we are so fortunate that we've got some really good bird reserves and wildlife areas. Like we've got the, the, the RSPB reserve at Cly next to the sea, which is a massive area of um, salt marsh. So you get all of the wading birds coming out there. Um, then we've got another big one at Snettisham, which is um, a massive area, again, of, of all sort of, it's on the wash. So we there's a lot of birds that come in through there. Then we've got another area, excuse me, um, at Welney, which is where the swans swim, um, the swans fly through and they, they over, do they over spring there, over winter there? That they spend a long time at Welney, and then you know there's so many different parks in East Anglia alone. I mean, and that's not looking at Cornwall or Scotland or you know, to to put together a a bird tour for ten days would would be so simple, you know, because there are so many areas. Even the Lake District. Well, exactly. You know, I mean, that's it's just so easy to put together a tour for any interested group like i say you know if you if you got a group of birders if even if there was a whole busload of birders who wanted to come and do a tour of england looking at birds that that would be a, a lovely 10-day tour you know you know you talk like about that. bed and breakfast as lodgings a lot of a lot of bed and breakfast and medieval uh, places to stay in your article. Yes. So I kind of was wondering, you know, from our experience here in the States, bed and breakfasts, a lot of them are situated, some are in the city and have gardens and yeah. some are not. And a lot of times they'll try and position breakfast uh, where, where you're eating, where you can watch birds. Some of the best bird watching we've had are actually at bed and breakfast. Yes. So what was, what would that be like for bird watchers <laughs> coming into England? to experience that if, at a, from bed and breakfast. Can you give us kind of an idea what B&Bs look like? Yeah, I mean, the one you're talking about, the medieval one, um, is run by Catherine, and she's actually been on your show. Oh, yes, you? yes. Um, and and her her bed and breakfast has been in her family since the middle of the 1300s. So, you it's know, crazy. Just a little while. <laughs> a little while. Um, but she lives basically in the middle of nowhere. So... You're looking out of her kitchen window or her dining room window and you see nothing but trees and grass and, you know, the birds, the wildlife in her back garden is just to die for. And that's even without going and having a walk around the farm, you know, because she's on a farm. So obviously you've got lots and lots of lovely places to explore. And that is the sort of place that I like to 
to put my guests because mm. you know why do you want to be in the middle of a city or in a as I call it, a spit and cardboard hotel. Oh, here we go. No frozen sausage for breakfast. No (laughs) way. No, you want to go to a proper bed and breakfast so you can look out on the fields in the morning, you know, and go for a walk down by the river. You know, Mm. that sort of thing is just perfect. It just gives you the idea of where you are. And and the thing too, it's like when you know you were talking about all this the coastal areas. You've got waterways that I think we should touch on. Like even you know the view behind you, um, there mm. you isn't it the broads uh, in, yeah. in Norfolk where you can go on a boat. I mean, are there yeah. all where are the you've got windmills and sailboats, and then there's the the hyacinth bouquet boats that I talk about. Hey, it was her birthday the other day. Oh, I went to a marvelous party. I can't stop singing this in my head. Oh, right. Patricia Rutledge, sorry. But yeah, come she on, was. she's one of the best on the planet. But she Fantastic. went on that one episode where she was going down in the canals and they had to wait to go through the canals. and oh, open the locks. Oh, the locks, sorry. Yes, the locks. So that's another nature ways to be one with nature in the water, right? Well, Well, exactly, because... Actually, when you're on like the broads or an, on a river or or even on the canals, you're actually away from all of the noise and the hustle and bustle. And all you hear, especially if you're on a little sailing boat, all you hear is the swish of the water and the flap of the sail, you know, and that is just so peaceful. The, the broads are a, a, a man-made area, although... The broads themselves are sort of like man-made lakes that were dug out of the peat in medieval times. Um, and they are, they're connected by rivers. So you'll go along a river and then you can go off into a broad. And these broads are, you know, reasonable sized lakes. And lakes, they are not from, ladies. No, Reasonably sized lakes, 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 not ladies. No, no they're not ladies, no. Um <laughs> So you're, you're going along and, and you're seeing all the wildlife. So, I mean, you, you see kingfishers, you see moorhens, you see coots, you see obviously loads of different types of ducks, all the different water birds and, and also fish. And you can go fishing, you know, if you're into fishing, there's loads of people who are sitting by the side of the broads just fishing. And, and that's a, a lovely little pastime just to sit and and watch the world go by. But what about the, fishing in the beach? Does that happen? Yeah, you can go sea fishing from the beach. Okay. Um, but but you can also get a boat to go out. You know, I mean, I, I can get you a boat out to go actually go out sea fishing if that was what you wanted okay. to do. You know, But, you know, these sorts of things are, are getting you close to nature. And that is what you want. I remember I had a lady over from Australia who was actually researching a novel that she was setting in mid- medieval England. And one of our abbeys is actually on the Norfolk Broads. And in medieval times, you wouldn't have got to this abbey by road. You would have got to it by boat. So to give her the idea of what this was like to actually approach this abbey in medieval times, I arranged for us to go out on a on a little tiny sailing dinghy um, a 1930s little sailboat it was. Um, it was sailed by somebody who knows what he's doing. I didn't sail it. Um, and actually, we were sailing along the broads, along the river, 
and the skies opened. It absolutely pelted down with rain. So we were absolutely drenched, both of us, right the way through to our underwear, both of us. And when we got back, she said that she couldn't have wanted a better experience Mm. because that gave her so many different feelings to write about. And, And that's what it's all about. It's all about actually immersing yourself in nature. And although, yeah, we were cold and wet, but she was grinning from ear to ear. That's why you have pubs with a fireplace. Exactly. Could we dry off? But she she was grinning from ear to ear because she experienced she experienced something to put in her novel. Oh, that's amazing. That's that's magic. And, you know, the other thing, too, is when you're out in nature, there's also walking and hiking. And um, let's talk about that, because Petter's Way, I know a lot of people do these big, long treks and then have tour companies pick them up at a certain place, put them in a B&B, then meet them the next day, take them to the next trailhead. So that's something I know you do, too. But Petter's Way, is that going to be something if someone wants to go and do how long is Pedro's Way? And that's Roman Roads, right? Yeah, yeah. It's behind you, actually. You're, you're, you're sitting I'm in Pedro's I'm finally on the Roman Road. You are indeed. Um, yeah, that is Pedro's Way. And that is six, um, 46 miles long, I think. Oh. Um, but there are stages that are like the bit where you're sitting. And there are stages which are actually now a modern road. So they're not so interesting to walk along. But there are nice little stages of sort of like five or six miles that are like the bit behind you. So you're in the middle of nowhere and you're just walking in the countryside along a Roman road. And, mm. and yeah, I mean, it's it's in an area that would be quite easy to to drop you off at one point, to allow you to walk five or six miles, pick you up, take you to a lovely pub for lunch take you back again, walk another few miles, nice little B&B, and then go out to the coast and walk along the coast path. You know, so it's... it's oh, you have a coast doable. path? Sorry? You have a, co- you have a coast path? A, yeah, coastal path all the way around Norfolk. If you want to walk all the way around the coast, you can walk all the way around the coast in Norfolk. In fact, I believe you can walk around most of the coast in England. So if you wanted oh, to wow. do that, you know... You could you could have a taster of walking around a bit in Norfolk and then I could take you down to Kent and do a little bit around Kent and then I'd move along a bit and do a bit somewhere else and then another bit around Cornwall. You know, so oh. the, the world's your oyster. <laughs> oh, I like it. No, okay, so the other thing just on the coast and then I want to go to Thetford Forest because I know we've touched on this before, but yeah. you know, this is the first forest, right, in, in England that was designated protected. But um, you mentioned Cromer earlier and isn't that something you eat too? Oh, a Cromer crab. The Cromer uh, crabs are to die for. They are lovely um, crabs like that. They're not spider crabs. They're that shaped crab and that their, their meat is absolutely beautiful. And they're caught off Cromer and that part of the coast. And so you would eat Cromer uh, crab in Cromer. Oh, which is nothing it, better. I mean, that's nothing. that's from ocean to table. Like absolutely. Coast and, to table. You know, it, I mean, going to food. I mean, North Norfolk has got some absolutely beautiful mussels as well. 
And we've got some, it's a seaweed called samphire. And oh, that is really beautiful. It's, they call it the, the poor man's asparagus. It's a very, very tasty green seaweed. It's very delicate, but it's beautiful. Is it as good as cheese scones? Probably not. Probably. I don't think anything's as good as a cheese scone. No, for, no. That, that, that's that, the top. They're better, better for the figure, Samper um, and fish. But if, but if you're out in nature and you're hiking, who cares, right? You, that want, you, you, need, you need a nice cheese scone if you're hiking, definitely. Oh, you take them with you. Exactly. Of course. Right? You've got in your backpack. That's Have right. Have a picnic. Have a picnic. Yeah. Yeah, don't put. Is, do you say fanny pack there, or we don't? I can't remember what we can no, say. No, don't we, say fanny pack. No, no, we call no. them a bum, a bum bag. A bum bag. Put put your cheese scones in your bum bag. <laughs> I thought I had my own bum bags, but anyway. <laughs> but here we go again. That's a whole other conversation on a show. But um, going back to Thetford Forest, this is something too, because I think there's something like England. I remember going through forests and you, you know, just also as a kid, when you were talking about that sound, just hearing the little bit of a breeze come through, mm. through the pine needles and that sound and just, yeah. there's something magical and you don't have as many um, things that can get you when you're walking out in no. England, like we do in the States. I mean, no. the snakes are out. I was walking a dog the other day and oh hello there's a snake already and it's still cold but the snakes are out so um oh boy now that i said that when i go walk the dogs after this i'm probably gonna see a snake <laughs> but you probably. don't have very many things like what no. we have in the states to get we, you no we have we have nothing really i mean the only snake we have that's a problem is the adder um and they do say that the adder bite is more like a bee sting I mean, I've touched wood. I've never been bitten by an adder, so I don't know. I've probably only seen it twice in my life. I don't remember really. Um, and the other one is a grass snake, which is harmless. Um, Beautiful. Apart from that, there is nothing that can no hurt bears you. Bears are going to get you, Kyle. There's no bears. You've got fox, but they don't do anything to people. Foxes run away from you. Badgers. If you cornered a badger, he wouldn't. Oh, be then you're going to get it. You're going to get. It. You've got hedgehogs, uh, though. You have hedgehogs. <laughs> Hedgehog's not going to hurt you. But they're, they're so cute. Around. I know. Yeah, but they're covered in they're covered in fleas. Hedgehogs are. Oh, oh really? Okay, yeah. you, they just look so cute. They look <laughs> cute, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be touching a hedgehog. No. <laughs> All right. I never thought of it that way. But you shouldn't be touching wildlife anyway. No, you know? of course not. No. But, they're, I mean, in England, in England, you know, you can put your tent up. In in you know in a, a place where you can put up your tent, um, and there is no problem. You're not going to get marauded on by a bear, or uh, an elk, or a moose, or a tiger, or a, a cheetah, or a, a, an African lion, or you know, nothing. You know, there is nothing that's going to hurt you. I you see, I think this is a good starting ground for people who want to go on a hiking adventure and mm. are new at camping or new being in the wilderness. I think this is a good starting ground for people yeah. to have that kind of experience um, because at the same time you're getting history, right? So everywhere you're walking, there's going to be some form of history because there's oh, historic absolutely. ruins all the time. So I always say that on our shows, you know, parks and travel, half of it is history because you don't go through nature without some kind of natural history, human no. history being there. No, exactly. I mean, and we're we're very fortunate in that we've got so much history that is still visible. 
Um, you know, so we've got it all around us. We've got so much medieval history, obviously, that is all still visible. I mean, you've got so much real ancient history that isn't visible to people who don't know what they're looking for. You know, so the the your your native Americans obviously have got their own history going back millennia, but obviously they haven't got the the big buildings that that we've got in England going back to medieval times and some Roman ruins and things like that. But you know, in in England you have got you're completely surrounded by history all of the time, and and going back to your camping holiday, I mean, even if you don't want to bother putting a tent up. Um, there's a there's a company not far from me actually that will put up a tent for you and take the tent down again and then put it up at your next stop and then take it down again and put it Tell up. Nobody like that because how many people argue, you know, exactly. tent, like a couple will go out with their kids and go, okay, we're going to teach them how to camp. Yeah. We're all excited. And then they go to put the tent up. And next thing you know, mother father are having a fight or father and father mother and mother and then here comes the parental argument when you're supposed to be teaching your kids and the kids exactly. are looking at you going you know what a couple of you know what do you what what i know how to, the kids probably know how to do it better than the parents exactly <laughs> you know? but if you want to get if you want to go camping but not actually have all the hassle of camping then mm-hmm. even that can be arranged these days it's amazing what you can get that glamping. So here in this country, glamping is a huge oh, thing. Oh, glamping so is very big. Yes. Oh, so yes. you have glamping there too. They call it. This, oh, yeah. It's better than the word pleasure, right? Oh, it we're, has we're to tired be. of the pleasure word. Oh, yeah. Anything we don't want pleasure, pleasure, whatever. We, it's don't, want, we don't want yeah. pleasure. No, we don't. But I mean, we want it, but not the word. But the glamping is pretty cool because that's yeah. like you're you're camping, but you're in luxury. You yes. know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially yurts. Now yurts are taking off quite a lot. And also um, shepherd huts are taking off as well, or have been for some time. So, you know, you're sleeping in a, in, in a shepherd's hut. Um, and if you, if you Google a shepherd's hut, you'll see what they were like. Do you, uh, you have very, shepherd's pie for dinner? Well, you could do. More likely you'd have a, a camping stove with sausage and bacon outside. Or oh. even, even better still, you can go to the local pub and have a pint and a pie. Okay, there you could get your shepherd's pie or a Cornish pasty. Exactly. Oh, oh I haven't had one of those for years, Glenn. Cornish oh, pasty. You don't know what you're missing. I do know. I do know <laughs> I'm what I'm missing. And it's, it's, listen, they're better than steak and kidney pies. I'll take a Cornish pasty over that. I'm sorry. Oh, but there you go. Steak and kidney pie. But people love steak and kidney pies. Oh, they, they do. I love it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have a difference now. Okay. So I'll eat the apple with the bacon. You yeah, have you're the steak and kidney pie. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but that food goes part with this. You know, if you're gonna go out tramping yeah. through the forest or going on this exertion, because there is something, and I love that you touched on this in your article that fresh air makes you hungry and makes you want to sleep, but it's that fitful sleep that you. There's nothing like being out hiking all day, getting fresh air, being out in the element, watching wildlife and really being, you know, observant, but you're getting this energy and as much as your body fuels on this and feels really good, you really sleep better. I I can't, there's no better sleep than after being out in nature. No, and also you sleep. You're sleeping out in nature as well. If you're camping, oh, that's even cool. you know. Yeah. So, so that's all that lovely fresh air, and you know, you you go to you go to sleep 
with the sound of the of the night time, you know, and you wake up in the morning to the birds, you know, what can be better? You know, because the dance chorus. Mm. How many, how many people who, you know, live well in, in a new house, especially with modern double glazing, you don't you don't hear the birds in the morning because you got your windows shut. Whereas if you're in nature and you're you're in there, you're you're exper- you're living it, you know, you're you're surrounded by it. And in, in summer, because I know you do get your uncloudy days in England. Do you get the stars out there in nature? Or do you have that, you know, moment where you've got enough break in the sky and away from the city to be able to experience the stars? Most most places in England, you're, you're going to get a nice black sky. You know, it's it the the light pollution in England is is not not bad, apart from near the big towns and cities, obviously. But in the countryside you know there there are so many places in england that you just got pitch black and the skies are just amazing Isn't um, it cool? well it is and, and most villages don't have street lights mm. so even in even in villages even in the middle of a village i live in the middle of a village and i've got no street lights so at night time the sky is is, is black because Ooh. there's no lights that's yeah. awesome. That's really good for wildlife and bats and, and things like that, you know. Yeah, so Thetford Forest, I want to go back to that because it's so it's the oldest preserve, right? Do you think you can see deer and things? Because how many acres is that? Hectares? I don't know if you go by. Oh, hectares. I can't remember. It's how big. big. It's big. Yeah. Oh, it's, yes. Um, hang on. Nine, 19,000 hectares um, is how big that is, which is quite big. Um, it's it's the the largest man-made lowland forest so it's not the oldest forest because it was only made in the 1920s but it's the largest man-made forest wow. in the country um and that is just amazing because you've got something that is just over 100 years old that is protected because it's a a, a park as well as a farmed forest so it's it is actually a, a, a concern you know it belongs to the forestry commission so they they harvest it for wood and then they replant and then they harvest it again you know so it's all farmed properly but a lot of it is also protected so there's so much of it that is just wild you know and it is and there's every sort of woodland creature that you could imagine you know from full-size deer to the smaller deer to the little monk jack deer um, and birds well you know and you've got rivers going through it so you've got lots of wildlife by the rivers so you've got all the birds in the rivers as well it's it is just such an amazing area plus you've got the sort of the adventure part of it so you can go segwaying through there you can go swinging through the trees on on ropes Uh, you can go climbing on ropes and on these um climbing walls um what else is there oh and there's long distance footpaths long distance cycleways oh, there's everything yeah it's just oh, cycling is one thing we should touch on that's something that oh, yeah i know our audience definitely bicycling is a big deal yeah i mean and, and you know if you want to go completely off road 
Thetford is a fantastic place to do that because it is just nothing but a forest mm-hmm. with designated cycleways. So you can cycle for, for miles and miles and miles and you're not near anything. So there's no traffic. Um, but then again, if you want to cycle in the countryside, most of our roads in, in the countryside itself are, are not busy. So you can cycle quite safely in England. The only thing I would remind people about cycling in England is we, we drive on the correct side of the road. Oh, hello. Yeah, <laughs> the correct side. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, you might get confused because when I was in France, when I was a teenager, all those years ago, I remember I, I was cycling with my mates and, and I'd gone somewhere separate. I don't know what I'd gone somewhere on my own. And I, I got all these lights flashing at me and people giving me funny hand signals. They weren't waving, but they were giving me funny hand signals. Oh, and, yeah. um, Little birdies. I was, I was going <laughs> on the I was going I was on the wrong side of the road. But there you go. Oh. oh, in France? I thought they were on the same side as you. No, no, no. The French, they drive on the wrong side as well, you know. What about Germany? Are they yeah, on the wrong yeah. side? Yeah, they're oh, on so the wrong it's... side. Oh, wow. It, so South Africa's on the right side. They're on the right side with you. No, no, no. England England drives on the correct side. And I think Australia does and New Zealand. And South Africa. And South Africa. There you go. But everywhere yeah. else, they're, they're, they're just they're on the wrong side of the road. Well, you you stand up for that, Glenn. You go for oh, it. Since you, you got the bird watchers after you. <laughs> well, always. It's always a fun chat, Glenn. There's always so much more. I mean, you know, and I think back of all these years, all our conversations, and it just never ends of what there is to experience. Exactly. You know, and how to experience it. And, I, you know, I think back to when you were only taking people around Norfolk. Now you just go, hey, I'll take you all over the United Kingdom pretty much, right? If someone wants to go to Scotland or Wales or, yep. you know, even yep. France, you can help them, right? Well, Are you going to go to the wrong side of the road in France? I- I can I can speak French, so I can't see why not. You know, I'm oh, actually putting, I'm actually putting together a tour um, for somebody at the moment, which goes from Norfolk um, to Cambridge, and then we go across to Wales, and then down through um, Devon into Cornwall, back into Devon, along to Portsmouth, then back up into London again. So you know, Norfolk is uh, only part of their trip. You know, so. I can I can take people wherever they want to do and we can do whatever they want to do. So if it's birding or cycling or photography or fishing or whatever, we can we can sort it out for them. Oh, that's awesome. Everyone, Glenn's website is Norfolk-tours.co.uk. You can see I'm here on Big Blend Radio every fourth Saturday. Keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. And his article, again, is up on nationalparktraveling.com and will be in the next issue of Parks and Travel magazine. Thank you so much, Glenn. Always a pleasure. Lovely to talk to you.